Hey everyone, welcome back to Heaving Bosom, the podcast where two friends recap romance novels while giggling, nicknaming characters, and doing a big swoon all over the place. Y'all, I have loved seeing all the St. Vincent merch out in the wild. Thank you for making the soft launch of the Etsy shop such a success. I'm really excited to get more goodies in there for you that are more than just St. Vincent themed. If you haven't checked it out yet, it's full of Devil in Winter themed items like a really lush book sleeve with original art by Mayara Faraz, a custom scented candle from Post Pouring Company, an enamel pin, and so much more. Patrons get a discount, so make sure you go through that link to get to the Etsy shop. This past week on the private podcast feed, patrons got a smorgasbord of content with Naima Simone and I finishing up our recap of Back in the Groove with Tay Diggs, and you can look forward to an AMA with Sarah Wendell. That's patreon.com forward slash heaving bosoms podcast. Now, this week, we've got a special crossover event. Sarah Wendell is here to recap part one of The Madness of Lord Ian McKenzie by Jennifer Ashley. You don't have to wait until Monday for part two, because that will be on the Smart Bitches Trashy podcast feed this Friday, February 17th. So part one is here today. Part two is over there on Friday. Okay, but seriously, hold on to your butts because I need you to really gird your loins for how much you're going to fall in love with Beth and Ian. Here we go. And I am wearing my Stay Golden Horny Girl sweatshirt. You got to wear the horny girl gear for podcast recording. Gotta. Yeah. 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 And I've got my mug right over there. Hell yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So, wow, this book. I had so much to do this week, Sarah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had so much to do this week and I couldn't stop reading. Oh no, that's mm-hmm. not good, but that's also good. It's also good. Jennifer Ashley, you talented, talented lady. I'm so mad at you. Have you read her Cat Holloway series? No. This is my first Jennifer Ashley book. Her current series in progress, I believe this is, maybe it's this one, there might be another one, is a um, historical mystery series about a woman who is a very much in-demand chef in fine houses in the region. And you find out she has a lot of secrets, but also she has that one of those weird in-between places in a in a household hierarchy because she is the cook. She's in charge right. of the kitchen. She's not quite as high as the butler or the housekeeper, but she's also like afforded some respect. And she also knows that if she leaves the family that she works for, people will snap her up in a second. Mm. Um, but she has a number of secrets. And then she starts solving murder because that's what you do. The first one is Love Death it. Below Stairs. It's They're so good. They're so very, very good. That's fun. And so are they strictly cozy mystery or are they also romance? There is a romance throughout several books. I, I love a good historical mystery slow burn. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons why I like historical mysteries, and I'm sure we'll get to this with Lord Ian, is that in a lot of historical mysteries, especially those who are those that are written by historical romance authors, there's a couple right. of them, 
you see more people and you don't just see the highest end of society. It's yeah. all the classes and there's interaction and there's more there's more exposure and inclusivity of people who were there. You just don't see them in historical romance. Right. Yeah, there's absolutely. Murder. There's a lot of murder. Got some murder yeah. in this too. I was like, oh, this is this is interesting. There's some there's some murder. I see where the Cat Holloway series was sort of beginning. Yeah, like to- born, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like reading really Nora Roberts and thinking, oh, this guy reminds me of Rourke. Is this a prototype? Of <laughs> this is a prototype of Born in Fire, by the way, is the book I'm talking about. If you're curious, Born in Fire by Nora Roberts mm. has a proto Rourke. Ooh, Irish billionaire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, please. Proto Rourke. Fantastic. Yeah, I think so too. Because lately, I've gravitated a lot more toward the authors who are doing things outside of ballrooms instead of you know like traditional, yeah, sort of historical romance and. This gave me all of it. Plus, I love a murder mystery in a romance. I'm not going to lie to you. I love a murder mystery. And I love a, is is he bad? Did he do it? Were there reasons? But also, did he do it? <laughs> and it's interesting. One thing that I, I will say, one thing that I struggled with with this book mm-hmm. was that I felt that at times there was more external conflict than internal conflict between mm-hmm. um, between the protagonists and I'm much more of an internal conflict reader. So the parts mm. of the book where she was like, well, shit, did he like kill a bunch of people? Do I really love a guy who killed a bunch of people? Oh, mm-hmm. shit. Like that was incredibly engaging to me. I love that part. Interesting. All right. Yeah. I think I might be more of an external conflict kind of reader because a lot of times when I when I read internal conflict, I'm like, use your words, even though knowing like in that situation, I would absolutely not use my words. I would do the exact same thing the characters were doing. (laughs) Yep, Yep, I get it. But you can be so mature when looking at it from the outside. (laughs) And both of these characters are pretty mature. Mm -hmm. I appreciated that. All right, so let's get started. What are we going to do first? Oh my God. Okay. So we're reading The Madness of Lord Ian McKenzie. And actually, I have to say that not only was this a a five-star book wreck because they left a five-star review and then they were like, please read this book. But I also got an email from somebody who was like, please read this book. And one of the... book. Yeah. I mean, one of the chief reasons is because um, the neurodivergence rep, I think is pretty good. Um, it is pretty good. And one thing I think that is, um, I have to look up a date. Uh, first, Google of mm. the podcast. This book was originally published in 2009. Oh, so we're talking. The rep is really good then. <laughs> exactly. And I was going to say at that time, I remember people, I remember Courtney Milan started a Lordian hashtag on Twitter to talk about this book because it was such a um very frank and forward and openly neurodivergent rep without being able to use any of those words because those words weren't employed at that right. point right and so this was just at the time i think when socially people were beginning to realize hold on autism is more than just middle class white boys who really like trains mm-hmm. there's a whole different set of neurodivergencies that we're not considering and this was just right when that conversation was starting to happen yeah publicly where people are like, hold up, maybe I am neurodivergent. Right. Maybe this applies to me. Maybe there's not something wrong with me. So mm-hmm. the fact that this book happened then is kind of extraordinary, but the degree of representation that it 
held in the context of its time is really amazing. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even think about it. Yep. Uh, in that in that context, because about how you talked about autism and any kind of neurodivergence, like I didn't even mm-hmm. use the word neurodivergence. No, didn't. And at that point, we were still using Asperger's. We were still talking about Asperger's. Yes, um, you're right. Mm-hmm. So, wow. But yeah, I really think that one of the things that astounded me about this book was just two things. One was the way in which the author like described this neurodivergence through the character. Yes, Ian's point of view. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And without the words we have now. Yes. And then also just the matter of factness of it all. And yet like matter of factness that she used to display it without being like Pollyanna, Everybody loved it. Everybody understood it. Every, everything was fine. And he was a high Lord and it's okay. Like that's not, it, she, ma- she managed to make it not stigmatized and yet show the stigma all at the same time. Yeah. There was, if anything, there was an astonishing amount of showing and not telling. Yeah. That I appreciated in both the development of the character and the portrayal of the way in which the characters pasts inform their presence and their motivation. Mm-hmm. But also the way that they were treated in the past informs their present and the way that they treat each other. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it didn't hurt, Sarah, um, that per your text message, <laughs> they're so horny. <laughs> Melody texted me and was like, Sarah, this book. And I wrote back, they're so horny. They're so horny. So horny. These are the most horny. They're so freaking horny, these two. They are extreme levels of horniness. Yeah. Yeah. Like both also, of their bosoms are heaving. There's just lots of. Seriously. Horny. Seriously. Yeah. And I woke up in the middle of the night last night and the thought did cross my mind. I remembered what I texted back to you, which was, I'm 30% in and a mess. Good goddess. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what if. What kind of mess did she think? Oh my God, did I accidentally text something really inappropriate to Sarah? <laughs> like, I'm emotionally a mess. <laughs> I'm just in love with this book is all. Okay, there. so we meet Ian and he is in the middle of a transaction for a porcelain bowl because he's really interested in Ming bowls and like old, old porcelain. And he's buying special it. interest. Y- yes, yeah, special yeah, interest. Special interest. And the first line of the book is, I find that a Ming bowl is like a woman's breast. <sighs> the swelling curve, the creamy pallor, don't you agree? So first we got a little casual racism setting uh-huh. up this person who sucks because a woman's breast does not automatically have creamy pallor. Let's, no. You know, the, okay, bro. But also this guy's gross and you know it right from the first line. Right, exactly. Exactly. And it's not Lord Ian who's speaking, by the way. It is Sir Lyndon Mather. <laughs> yeah. All in my notes, all I called him was the buffoon. So, you know. I called him that gross guy. He's just gross. Yeah, he is. He's so gross. So, and that's not kink shaming because I have to talk about that later too. I anyway. have that in my notes. Do you? <laughs> big letters. I have oh, like good. three big notes of like, okay, hold on. Like, you know, foul. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Here are the reasons he's gross. That thing is not one of them. That is correct. So he's buying this bowl from him and Ian's like, I'm going to give you a thousand pounds for it. And he's like, oh, come on. I didn't. I spent, I spent 1500. And well, in, yeah, and in his fun. mind, he's like, yeah, because you're. that's because you're a bad collector and you don't know what things are worth and you're not good at this. Whereas... 
I am an expert mm -hmm. at appraising these bowls. So he's like, I'll give you a thousand pounds and that's it. And Mather's like, oh, I really need it to buy like my fiance who's an heiress, like a wedding present or whatever, because he looks rich, but he is in fact in debt up to his eyeballs. Yep. And that's the biggest reason he's marrying um, who we find out is Beth. So Ian buys this bowl and he yep. like wraps it up. Um, and then one of the conditions I think of getting the lower price maybe is that he has to come say hello at the opera because the buffoon is like very um, uh, class. He's um, yeah, he's obsessed with class and status. And, and optics. Yeah. And optics and the Mackenzies. Ian is not the title holder, but he is a lord. His brother is a duke. And so mm -hmm. Mather wants to be visibly associated with them. This is mm -hmm. Mather is the equivalent of Kim Kardashian buying Princess Diana's necklace and wearing Marilyn's dress. Kim <gasps> Kardashian's uh, ability to create celebrity for herself is all about external iconography glued onto her person because she is herself an absence. Mm -hmm. There's a whole like field of study of the the creation of a celebrity persona. And Kim is interesting because she doesn't really have one. And yeah. she creates that persona by assigning other celebrities mm -hmm. to her body, physically mm -hmm. to her body. Mather is the same way. If I am seen with them, then I am of a higher status. Yeah. That will convey greater import onto me through society. And he's marrying Beth because Beth's got money. Yeah. And she's a widow. She doesn't have to get married. Right. So he's like, he's like, you can also meet my fiance when you're there. She's this, you know, widow and she's adorable. And, you know, he's blah, not blah, wrong. Blah, blah, blah. He's not wrong, but he is disrespectful in his description. Oh, yeah. He's super gross. Yeah. I also want to point out that one of the things that's very interesting right off the bat, this page two or three, mm -hmm. is that one of the ways that Ian evaluates the bowl is that he smells it and, and he, licks it. He tastes the glaze like, yeah. Him senses. And one of the things I understand about neurodivergence, especially for people who have autism, is that mm -hmm. everything is being observed and absorbed at the same time. It's yeah. basically sensory overload. And what he's doing is focusing his sen his senses in a way that highlights just the bowl in front of him and enables him to tell whether or not it's a fake. And Mather's mm -hmm. like, you just like the bowl. Thank yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Rich weirdo. But and oh, yeah, he also talks about him like he's not there because Ian's um Ian's about to like write out a check or something, and mm -hmm. the um the like a drip almost of ink really catches his eye, and it's like this circular globule of beauty that he's like, wow, look at it go, and it's about to oh, it's about to yep, yeah, and then it dropped. Yep, and. Mather's talking to about him like he's not there, being like, "Wow, so he is really mad as a hatter, isn't he?" Like, yeah, oh. he says that to um, Ian's valet Curry. Yeah, my notes is Google. Yes, Curry is Google. You'll Curry is Google. Why. Curry is Task Rabbit. Curry yes. is whatever you need him to be. <laughs> it's Task Rabbit. <laughs> is <laughs> yep the entirety of Task Rabbit. But look at the economy of storytelling here. We uh -huh. know that Ian's perspective is different. We know that this person is gross. We know that the valet has a lot of power, to, not power in that he's going to take advantage of it, but he has a position of extreme importance for Lord Ian. Yes. Um, and this is extremely economic storytelling. It gives Absolutely. you a lot by showing. That is one of my favorite things about great writing in romance is that how much of the emotional landscape of the character 
can be shown and not told. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And she, she does it masterfully all throughout the book to the point where like, sometimes I had to go back and reread because I was like, does that mean more than I thought it did? Mm-hmm. And sure enough. Yep. Oh, sure yeah. enough. It always did. So as they're leaving, he talks to Curry and he's like, Curry, find out everything you can about his fiance. Um, and let me know before the opera. And Curry's like, okay, sir, like I'll totally do that. Mm-hmm. And he does. Yeah. So now we're at the opera. We're in Mather's box, and Beth is being introduced to Ian. She says that at the opera, she's usually the one who actually watches, and Mather she likes will opera. stay. Yeah. yeah. She loves music. I have a question. Just yes. a general. You call this ye olde England times. Yes, this right? is England times. Yeah, England times. How mm-hmm. big are these opera houses that every single friggin' character has their own box? How big are we talking? Are we talking like stadium size? Are we talking like half a continent? How does every... First of all, there's too many dukes, but how do all of them, all of the title gentlemen and all of the title uh-huh. family and all of the historical romances, they all got their own box? They've all got their own box. Listen, I just watched Phantom of the Opera, the movie for the podcast, and... They're big, I think, is the answer to that question. <laughs> I mean, no, but it's true. Hell, it's true. Yeah. Well, and especially like Mather is not. He's pretty, he's not low born, I guess, an, an England Times person would say, but he's not part of like the gentry, at least not the huh. high, highest classes. Who is, that's the one I thought had the box. Um, and also, like, is it like a baseball stadium where you have to like buy it for the year, or is it is it entitled like land is to a certain family in Dukedom oh, or whatever? Sure. Is it like a timeshare? Like, yeah, you, how do you? Yeah. Do, do they <laughs> share them? Yeah, sure. Maybe that's how I, all of I them have know. one. I don't know. It's a like, big, big ass opera house is what we're talking about for here. for sure. Yeah, big ass and, opera house. Yeah, and the Duke of York talks to the Duke of Graceland and it's like, you can't go Tuesday. I'm going that day. Right, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. What? That's my box. Absolutely not. <laughs> so immediately it is intensely wonderful because he walks into this box and it's all from her perspective. Mather's like blathering on in introducing them to each other, but we're getting that Ian's firm grip is on her hand and like, she loves it in a way that she can't really understand out of the context of like, I used to be married and I got similar tingles when I was married to a really great man who was interested in my sexual pleasure. Yes. You know? And it's so cool though, because especially, you know, she gets distracted by him as well, because not only mm-hmm. does he, he holds her hand while they're being introduced, but then he like sits down next to her and she doesn't realize that he hadn't let go of her hand. And they've just been like, I don't know. This, this is economy of storytelling too, because the way that they're both just instantly comfortable with each other without being familiar. Yes. And getting that sense from it is incredible. Yes. They recognize each other and yeah. he recognizes her as someone who is somehow just operating on the same wavelength. Yeah. He trusts her in a way instantly that is based on some sort of instinctual, instinctual behavior. All mm-hmm. right. And same for her. Oh, excuse me one second. You no guys worries. are the biggest pains in my ass. <laughs> Listen, cat's going to cat. 
you know? No cat fights during the podcast. <laughs> okay. Bunch of weirdos. Ugh. I beg your pardon, Melody. I apologize for oh. the cat mayhem that is Don't in worry about it. My office. So yeah. Yeah, as you were saying. Oh, um, gosh, what was I saying? Oh, and she recognizes him too, without yeah, really knowing she it. Absolutely does recognize him. And she recognizes that she hasn't really heard of him before, but she sort of starts to compare him to Mather and is like, oh, hang on. Yeah. Hmm. I've never have, gotten tingles anywhere yeah. when Mather the talks to me. Feelings. I got yeah. pants feelings. What do I do about my pants feelings? Yeah. And she doesn't mind that he doesn't say much, nor does he make eye contact with her. No. But what he does do is one of the most erotic things you can do in a historical romance, everyone. Yep. And that is he slips a note into her glove. His like, fingers up. slid beneath the opening of her glove above her elbow and she felt the folded edge of paper scrape her bare arms. Sir. Goosebumps. Oh my God. Yeah. How forward. Yeah. Very and forward. He doesn't hate it at all. And all he says to her is, hey, read this out of Mather's, you know, sight or yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. um and let me know if you want to follow up basically and he's like yeah. Bye, everyone gotta go see you never back to me later yeah and so as soon as mather leaves though he flits off to go talk to somebody else who has money and class or whatever and she reads it and it is a letter being like hey girl you can't marry mather um he is a man who's gonna cheat on you real hard mm -hmm. and he's really in debt and he wants your money and stuff. And so don't, Oh no, that's not even in this. Mm -mm. This is where the kink shaming comes in. Yeah. Because he writes a letter that's like, essentially Mather keeps a house where he has women who meet him and they are his quote unquote sweeties. And he begs them to use him as their slave. They're not yes. courtesans, but they need the money to put up with them. And I've listed five of the women that he meets. Should you wish to have them questioned or I can have you, you know, speak to, uh, my my brother, the Duke, who knows him. And yeah. apparently all the dudes know this about Mather. And yeah, it's not great. So, yeah. I mean, like the, so in the letter itself, the actual wording is very kink shamey because he says they need the money enough to put up with him. Right. And like, I'm like, it's fucking rude, man. Yeah, Leave right? him alone. Later on, his brother says that he um, Mather likes to relive his school day punishments. And I'm, I'm just like, hey, everyone, it doesn't matter. It's cheating. Like if she marries him and he goes and does that, it's just cheating is all, you know, like, yeah, it's just that he's the being part, unfaithful. Yeah. The part where he is subjugating himself to women. That's the problem. That's not yeah. the problem. The problem is that he is um, potentially endangering her. Yep. Her health. And uh huh being dishonest mm -hmm. and cheating on her and as much as you can say in historical romances that oh yeah all of the men have mistresses and that's very normal and i remember when i started reading historical romances everybody had mistresses and the first one i wrote the mistress and the heroine like teamed up to like fight crime or something at the end Hell I was yeah like, oh, i could read more of that mm -hmm. but the problem is not that mather likes to be dominated by women and read live his schoolboy days and get spanked the problem is that he's dishonest and cheating and also he's a sexist misogynist pig who really just wants her for her money and is misrepresenting himself on many levels the kink is not the problem the kink is not the problem right right so 
she, of course, basically gets hit with the vapors or whatever you say in England times. And <laughs> she has to take a walkabout. Yes. And she like is so overcome that she does do a, a tiny stumble. But yeah. don't worry, everyone. A large, firm hand comes out and, you know, catches her by the elbow and he half drags, half carries her through the velvet curtain into a dark box that's completely empty. Yet and another box. Yet never another one. The size of this opera house, I'm telling you. This is the Mackenzie box. And so Cam brought, Cam is the older brother. He brought Ian to the opera and they're, they're doing a hangout. So he sits her down and he's like, please drink some of this water. And so she does. And then he drinks right after her. And she's like, that's so hot. That's so hot that he did that. He doesn't think I have cooties. That's so hot. He also, she asked for water and he gave her whiskey. Oh yeah, that's right. It was whiskey. Oh, I love it. I love it. He's a Scotsman. Scots. Yeah, not a lot of Scots brogue in the book, too, which I appreciated, by the way. Yeah. Not a lot of um, Scottish Times. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of Scottish Times. However, the audiobook is really good and it includes really subtle burrs that yeah are delicious. Anyway, A plus audiobook, man. All right. So she's like, hey, this is really serious, the things you're saying out loud about this man. And I don't know you. And why should I believe you? And he's like, I mean, I brought receipts. Uh, I can set up a meeting. And I don't really care about Mather. You know, like, I don't I don't give a shit what he does. I just thought you he says, I thought you were worth saving. And then in his inner monologue, he keeps on thinking about her as like the best kind of porcelain. I'm going to find the quote. Hold on. I love it when they bring the interests of people into the books. Yes. And the other thing that is where I actually highlighted the kink shaming is I've been betrothed to Sir Lyndon for three months and none of his other acquaintances have mentioned any peculiar behaviors. Okay. So first of all, this is not something that anyone's going to just walk up to Beth and be like, listen, heads up but the reply is mather keeps his perversions to himself he just likes getting spanked it's like the least of the problems with this guy right and like again it's probably accurate or whatever i just didn't need it or like it um yet another signal that this book was published in 2009 totally totally because I don't think that I don't think that's as I would like to think that it's not as common. One thing that, that reading this book has done is remind me of a many as I haven't read historical romance in a very long time. Yeah. Reminded me a lot of the things I like about it and also reminded me a lot of the things that I don't like to run into when I'm reading it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. In his inner monologue, he thinks she was like rare porcelain, he thought, delicate beauty with a core of steel. Cheap porcelain mm-hmm. crumbled to dust or shattered. But the best pieces survived until they reached the hands of a collector who would care for them properly. (sighs) Boy, does he want to care for her properly. And so she's like, okay, you've put me into a bit of a pickle uh, Mm -hmm. with this information. Don't super know what to do. And he says very flatly, you could always marry me. Marry me instead. And this is bananas, you know, because she's... So we didn't tell them how she came into her fortune. So she had been married to a vicar and they had been very poor. And after her husband died, there was nothing there. And you find out later in the book, there's even more um, more layers to her backstory. But when her husband dies, she ends up becoming a companion to a woman named Mrs. Barrington. And when Mrs. Barrington died, 
She left everything to Beth, including a house and her fortune and her servants and everything to Beth. So Beth is independent and free, and she has the resources to live her life however she wants. Yeah. And she knows what it's like to be on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. And also this was completely unexpected. She had no idea. No idea. No. Mrs. Barrington spent more time criticizing her than anything else. Like I don't think she would have expected this. (laughs) Terrible. Like her behavior continues to one of the things I like about this is that this book is that the things that happened in their pasts are Mm -hmm. still influencing the present. Like there are things where Beth will stop herself because she can hear Mrs. Barrington criticizing her for the decisions Mm -hmm. she's making. Like having horny pants is a real Mm -hmm. struggle for Beth because of Mrs. Barrington. And that makes perfect sense. I don't quite understand why she was so happy to marry Mather, but you know, hey, plot. Okay, fine. Yeah. Like, I think it was that he spent time with her before she was like, she was like he visited the lady or whatever. And yeah. so she was familiar with him and she knew everybody else was absolutely a fortune hunter. Yep. So she's like, why would he want, first of all, why would you want to marry me? Um, he says, because you have beautiful eyes. Yeah. Sir, he won't look at her and he won't make eye contact with her. She's like, so how do you know? And he goes, I know. I know, he says. And at one point she's like, okay, I I have to go. And he grabs her wrist and he's like, don't go. And then he sits her down and he's like, just watch the opera. And so she's like, I don't know why I'm responding to this in the way I am, but I want to do everything. I want want to do this. I wish to do naughty things right now. Yeah, yeah, hardcore. in this box with this guy. The other thing about Beth is that she's very funny. So funny. She says to Ian, do you do you do this all the time? Warn a young woman about her fiance, then turn about and offer her marriage. Obviously, the tactic hasn't worked or you'd have a string of wives dogging your footsteps. And he's just like, wait, what? He's like, I don't understand. I don't understand. What's happening right now? Because Beth is sarcastic and Uh she is wry. And a lot of the times he's like, I don't get it, but okay. Mm And she's like, why do you want to marry me? You don't even know me. And he's like, oh, no, I know you. And he starts listing off a string of very, very hard to find facts about her life. And she's like, whoa, is this common knowledge? Like, does everybody I have tea with know this stuff? And he's like, no, I just have the best valet in the whole wide world. He's Google and TaskRabbit all rolled into one. I told Curry to find out about you. And my my note in my text was, where? Using like Regency Google? Come yeah. on. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like this was easily searchable records. How in the world, how does Curry find out things? We have no idea, but Curry finds out things. So you know Curry what? He finds them out. Google. Yeah, he finds it out because romance reasons. That's right. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, that's what I always write it off as, romance reasons. Yeah. Romance um, reasons. And then she says, okay, you know all of that about me. Why would you want to marry me? And he says, she's like, I'm not a diamond in the rough or whatever. And he looks at her and he goes, you're real. Mm -hmm. And that really throws her back. And so she's having a very hard time here. Then he starts playing with the curls around her face. He starts like taking the little curly boys and pulling them straight and then watching them bounce back up. Yeah. And she's like, I would never let anybody touch me. Like, this is a very familiar touch. And I don't know this person, but goddamn, I really like it. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, and, no. And she knows, even as a widow, if someone saw them in his box and he's playing with her hair like that, there would be consequences socially for his behavior. He doesn't Absolutely. seem to care. And she's like, I do care, but I'm also having pants feelings and I'm really enjoying this. Yeah. Shoot. And what do I do? 
Yeah. And one of the reasons that it would be a big giant scandal on top of it just being a big giant scandal is that Ian is known as like the mad Mackenzie. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody thinks of him as um, what they call a lunatic. And he was actually in an, a horrible England Times institution. And, He's you in know, asylum. yeah, yeah. like there are, there are supposed facts that back up his quote unquote lunacy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so she then, he asks her if she loved her husband. Yeah. And she's like, with all my heart. And then he says, well, I won't ask you to love me because I can't love you back. And she's like, wow, wow, bro, yeah. dude, your courtship skills are poor. Yeah. Like usually you try a little bit of flattery or whatever. Yeah, and I can't he, love you. I just want to play yeah. with your hair and lick you like a vase. Yeah. Yes, yeah, you do. Truly, truly. And so he's like, no, no, no. I, it's not that I won't. It's that I yeah. can't. I don't understand the feeling. I can't access that part of myself, I guess. And, and she's like, you don't care about my fortune. You don't care whether I love you. You can't love me back. Why do you want to marry you? And he says, because <gasps> I want to bed you. Because I want to bed you. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. this is one of my favorite things in life and romance. When just sort of apropos of nothing, somebody's like, do you want to do it? I love that shit. If it comes out of left field, I love it. I just like going to bed. Like I like getting I mean, into true. bed. Yeah. I mean, I do like sleep. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there for you. Mm -hmm. And she's and so, like, wait, you don't have to marry me. You, you could just, we could just do it. But yeah. you know, if you had me in your bed and then we're done, we're still married if you marry me. And he's like, yeah, well, I plan to do it more than once. I plan to bed you more than once. I have plans. Oh my God. Porcelain. He's going to lick her porcelain vase. And then he says, he says, oh, she says, do you always make decisions this fast? And he says, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that is true. That is. Why, Ian, why fuck about? Why yeah. screw around? Let's just get her done. Ian puts the variables together and it, and then the decision is made and then he goes for it. Yep. And boy, does he go for it. So then he's like, watch wow. the opera and she's looking at it and she's feeling the music and she's like crying a little bit because it's like a breakup song or a death song or something equally opera-esque. And she looks up at him and he's thinking to himself, teach me to hear the music as you do, yeah. which is just... And I think they're watching La Traviata, which is really emotional and beautiful and will make it you is. cry. It yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And she looks up at him and he just pounces. He leans right over and he does kiss her on the mouth. Bam. And wow, I have to... Hold on, let me find the kiss scene because we got to read that to them. Oh my gosh, it's like too much. Okay. When she looked up at him with tears in her blue eyes, he leaned down and kissed her. She started, her hands coming up to push him away, but she rested her hands on his shoulders instead and made a soft noise of surrender. He needed her body under his tonight. He wanted to watch her eyes soften with desire, her cheeks flush with pleasure. He wanted to rub the sweet berry between her legs and make her wet. He wanted to drive into her until he released, and then he wanted to do it all over again. He'd wake with her head on his pillow and kiss her until she opened her eyes. He'd feed her breakfast and watch her smile as she took food from his hand. He drew his tongue across her lower lip. She tasted of honey and whiskey, sweet spice. He felt her pulse pounding beneath his fingertips, her breath scalding his skin. 
He wanted, oh yeah, and then it goes on. So it goes on about how he wants that hot breath on his arousal. Uh, you know what I hadn't seen in a while that I saw in this book was the heroine her, unironically. Her sweet, her sweet berry, I hadn't seen that one in a while. The sweet berry was certainly one of them. Um, yeah. Sounds like a the, yogurt chain. Mm -hmm. The one that really jumped out to me was um, how she called his penis his staff. Oh, like, it's been a while. Did it very unironically, um, and I loved it. So yeah. romance yeah. circa yeah. two thousand nine. I love it. Your staff. Ooh. Okay. So then she's all into it, and then his brother walks in, being like, "Hey, everybody! I'm Cam. Have you seen my son?" And she starts away from him, and she doesn't really know what to do. And he's like, "Who are you?" And then Ian says, well, that's Mather's fiance. And, and Cam goes, if you're Mather's fiance, why are you in here kissing Ian? And she goes, I was just asking myself that same question. <laughs> and Cam looks dead at her and says, yeah, you don't want to marry Mather, love. The man's disgusting. And she says, it seems everyone knows that but me. Which is interesting because Cam's criticisms are that he's slimy. He's desperate to get into the Duke's circle. He, right. thinks, he thinks that we will like him if he tells us he enjoys reliving his days of schoolboy punishments. You're mm -hmm. well rid of him. And I was like, I was with you up to the kink shaming. But okay. Yeah. Yeah. That one was a little bit more borderline just because it seemed like it was almost the boasting about it that was more offensive than like the act itself. But it, it was all rolled up into a gross burrito anyway. So it yeah. really doesn't matter. <laughs> it was. And, you know, it, it, it is one thing to say he's he is not who he is telling you he is financially, mm, morally, right. emotionally, like he is lying to you. That's mm -hmm. that's grounds to reconsider your engagement. Absolutely. But yeah, I get it. I get it. And I appreciate how they're like, yeah, mm, no, it, right off the bat, you realize that most of the McKenzie's are extremely low bullshit individuals, which is the type yes. of individual that I very much appreciate. Same. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, mm -mm, no. just say it. Just say things out loud to my face. It's yeah. so nice. Oh, boy. Oh, it's yeah, so great. It. Just just tell me who I should avoid. And yeah, had no idea that this guy was was deceiving her. Right. And so she's like, all right, I got to go. Uh, and he's like, don't go again. And then she's like, no, I'm going to get a handsome cab and I'm going to go. And he's like, not alone, not with a handsome cab. And she says she thinks about how he like held her curls. It was like um, possessive and propri proprietary or protective, either one. Um, they mean two different things, but, you know, whatever. Yes. This is the other thing that I flagged as things I don't miss when reading historical romance. Mm. She says, uh, I'll, I'll have the porter fetch me a handsome cab. And he's like, no, not a handsome cab. And uh, she's like, well, I can't get in a carriage with the two of you. Like, that's going to ruin me socially. And Cameron starts laughing and says to Ian, she's worth stealing, but she's right. I'll lend you the coach and my man if I can find him. My own fault for employing oh. Romany as a manservant. They're blasted hard to tame. And uh -huh. my there was no, not the racism. Racism no. clacks on. Racism clacks on. That's another yeah. thing that I like. I remember I I don't remember how much I encountered this when I was reading historical romance at this time in the 2000s. Yeah. Because I didn't know to notice these things. Yeah. And I didn't recognize them for what I recognize them as yeah. now. But it's like um, like Lord of Scoundrels, for example. 
-hmm. I have a really hard time recommending that to someone who hasn't read historical romance from that time period because the way in which the hero describes himself is very, very steeped in anti-Black racism Mm -hmm. and is very very colorist and it's offensive and it's hurtful. And it's like, okay, well, awful, awful feeling. And I ran into this. It's like chapter four. I'm like, oh, I don't miss this either. Yeah. I I do not. And the worst part is like, uh, one of my thoughts was like, I guess I give you points for not using the slur. Yeah, it's in there later. But that, yeah, it is. Yeah, but I was like, it's the bar has to be higher than that, you know? What's next? Like, you should check with Mather's banker, but don't go if he's Jewish because he won't be like, what's what's next on the Mm -hmm. the list of low hanging fruit of Mm -hmm. stereotype bullshit? So, yeah, that was the other thing where I was like, oh, foul, foul, bad, erg. Absolutely. It's important to say, hey, not good because. Someone walking into this, like that could punch them square on their most tender bruises. And that's not okay. That's, and it's just, it's just not okay generally. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we can do better. Like now that we know, we will do better. God damn it. God damn it. Is anyway, the goal. So moving on. She, uh, she leaves and Mm -hmm. Beth reaches up before she leaves. She reaches up to smooth his hair from his forehead and he looks directly at her for a moment and then he looks away. He doesn't mm-hmm. like making eye contact with her. And then Cameron returns. He has found his manservant. Uh-huh. And Beth, Beth, you know, leaves. And but Cam looks at him like it looks at them, the pair of them, in shock yeah. because he's yeah. like, oh my God, she's touching you and you're okay for with it. it. Yeah. yeah. The, her instant closeness with him is not only unnerving to her, it is unnerving to his brother because he's like, right. this is weird. This doesn't happen. What right. is going on here? Mm-hmm. And on one hand, it's a very familiar deployment of, oh, she's not like other girls. She's sure. not like other women. It's it's setting her up as a singular entity, but it's also clearly she is an exception to the rules with which he governs his life. Yes. Yeah, yeah most definitely. Um, so guess okay. who's mad? Guess oh, who's real, real mad? Boy. Guess who's big mad? Mather does a, a cardinal sin in my book, and that is interrupting my bath. Right? Sir, get Rude. the fuck out of my bath. This is my why time. Are you, why are you? No. no. Leave Ian in his bathtub alone. Yeah, leave I me and my bath meal and my bath pillows <laughs> and all the thing, my bath tray. Leave all of my stuff and me alone in the bath. Don't yeah. come at me. Yeah. Yeah. And, but he says, Oh, you do know what you cheated me out of. She's worth a hundred thousand pounds. And then Ian says, she's worth a a right lot more than that. And then the, it says the idiot Mather um, misunderstood. And he's like, she has more than that. I'll sue you or whatever. But then right after Mather fucks off, he gets a note from her. That's like, Hey, thank you so much for doing me that solid. Uh, I, you will see that I have broken up with Mather, but I have to also decline your very, very generous offer of marrying me because I'm going to just go be like independently rich. I'm just going to be like an independently rich lady, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And so she's like, I'm going to go to Paris and I'm going to like off to Paris, try to paint or something. Never seen a paintbrush in my life. Yeah. And he looks at Curry and says, well, we're going to Paris. And Car- Curry's like, oh, okay. 
Uh, okay. Sure? But ominously, he says, in a couple of days, I have some business to attend to first. Dun, dun, dun. Business times. And then we meet our antagonist, Detective Hate Boner. Yes. This is a guy who carries around a massive hate boner. There is not a clear reason for the hate boner until so late that I'm like, this is terrible. What is wrong with this dude? He just hates the McKenzie's because he hates the McKenzie's. Full stop. That's his reason. No, Detective Hate Boner is one of the most serious individuals I've ever encountered in my 35 years. (laughs) (laughs) He's very intentional in his hate boner direction. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know how some heroes, like their hard-ons or divining rods, sometimes they can tell if someone's a virgin, they can tell which one. Mm-hmm. Detective hate boner's boner is just directed at all of the Mackenzies. He, he hates them full stop. Like For existing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he so gets called he to yeah. Mather's house. And he's like, mm-hmm. I don't even like a Mather. Um, he does a tiny bit of kink shaming here. Very subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's like, but anything that I get that gets me closer to taking down those Mackenzies, I'm going to go and find out. And we find out that Mather had followed Ian to like see what he was up to. And he saw Ian go into a house and then like a little while later leave in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And he didn't think anything of it until that morning he saw that a woman had been stabbed through the heart with a pair of scissors in that very house so he's like yeah all right i have sewing scissors first of all don't use them for stabbing people you only use them for cutting the the craft is it fabric thread embroidery don't use your craft scissors for anything other than the craft themselves don't 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 cut paper and don't stab people but also the idea that you can take sewing scissors and stab someone through the heart I mean, that's serious, serious rage right there. They're yeah. they're very sharp, but they're just scissors. It's not like it's a like a knife. They're they're just scissors. So this they're is just some, scissors. Yeah, this is some first of all, it's mishandling of the crafting supplies. And two, right. it's quite a violent crime here. Mm-hmm. Mo- yeah. yeah, absolutely. But don't cut paper with your sewing scissors, people. If you take nothing else from this podcast, oh. respect your crafting scissors and don't yes. use the paper and don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. There are paper scissors for that. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the moment you use your sewing scissors for yeah, your paper, those are now paper scissors. And then you have to get some new sewing scissors. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're expensive. They are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So he's like, not only did he do that, but he fucked off to Paris on a train. Yeah. And so now Detective Hate Boner is like, to Paris. To Paris, I shall catch this bad person being bad for reasons that I'm not explaining yet. Yeah, absolutely. And we even get like a couple of scenes from his perspective, and we still don't get the deep-seated hatred until the very, very end. And uh, Beth's the one who figures it out, so. Yes, she does. Pretty great. But for for the majority of the book, He's just a random hate boner. Absolutely. Mucking yeah. about, causing problems, pissing everybody off. He, he, I've seen this character a bunch of different times in like different detective shows and different novels. Yeah. And I appreciate his reasoning at the end. But in the beginning, I was like, you're tiresome. Mm-hmm. Like, just have a hate boner. Mm-hmm. You're tired. Mm-hmm. Just kind of- yeah. Just, you know, rub one out and move on with your life. Exactly. Exactly. So now we're in Paris with Beth and she's looking at a, a paper and saying to herself, well, that sucks because 
they're reporting on the fact that Cam and Ian were fighting publicly about the soprano at the opera. And like, that's bullshit. Beth feels real bad because obviously his connection with her was not genuine because he's fighting with Cam over some opera singer. She's like, he could have at least like waited a couple of days. Jeez. And And I know that feeling, right? Yes. Oh, we really had a connection. Oh, it's just me. All right. Well, she's in Paris. Yeah. So she goes painting on a hill and she does very randomly meet Mac, Ian's brother. Yep. And that's fantastic romance reasons. He's (laughs) like, let me, let me fix your pencil hold or whatever. And she's like, oh, well, I actually just met and I'm acquainted with Ian. And he's like, you're friends with Ian. And she's like, yeah, yeah, we just met and like chatted for a while or whatever. And Mac's like, that's all right. I'm going to give you drawing lessons is what I'm going to do, because what the fuck? How are you friends with Ian? Mm -hmm. And then he stands her up for said drawing lesson the next day. But one of the ladies who had been looking on at their conversation the day before she's who is just gorgeous everyone's noticing this woman she's just exquisite yeah and like a beautiful level and like a sensual level too yeah 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 well her name is isabella and she's like max a loose cannon good luck with him i'm not surprised he stood you up yeah and within a couple of Paris is just populated with sequel bait in this series. Apparently. Yes. Like, yes. you know how like when you're playing a video game and then you go to a new neighborhood and there's all these NPCs that you need to interact mm-hmm. with to start your quest. That's what Paris is in this book. You show up and it's just sequel bait all the way down. It is. Yeah. yeah. And it worked on me. It worked oh, on yeah. me, Melody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so we find out um, like through a couple of weird uh, you know, comebacks from Isabella that she is in fact Mac's estranged wife. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And at that point, Beth is like, oh girl, no, 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 no. I am not at all interested in hopping on Max D. Nope. I'm actually friends with Ian. And then she's immediately like, friends with Ian, huh? These well, are not words that anyone puts together except for Beth, and she hasn't quite caught on that this is weird. Yeah. Okay, we're acquaintances. He did me a kindness. Ian did a really thing for, what interesting she'll tell me that he flew around yeah with yeah humans. Isabella is so shocked that she demands Beth move in with her as you do <laughs> so not Have only you... is Paris replete with sequel bait but it's also a really good roommate like it's like it's like a Craigslist message board for finding great roommates yeah seriously oh my god it's so good so then Ian arrives and he starts talking to Mac about Beth. And he's like, yeah, she's great. Um, I did propose to her and she did turn me down hard. Yeah. And, and Mac's like, what? what the fuck is happening? Like, also, you can't just do that willy nilly because our oldest brother, the Duke Hart, will be so mad at you and he will beat you up and down the Scottish countrysides or whatever. Yeah. He'll be hella pissed if you just marry some rando. Yeah, he was, she was mad at me when I married Isabella that night on a whim. She was, yeah, was her, it hasn't worked out very well for them. It hasn't. They, they have a no. bit of estrangement. And, and and estrangement is from the ancient Greek, uh, estrangio, meaning mm. also sequel bait. <laughs> yes, thank you for that very scholarly explanation. I made really it all good. up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell your secrets. I won't. Okay, so then he's like, I'm still going to marry her. Yeah. And Mac's like, okay, 
how do you plan on doing that? She did turn you down. And he goes, I plan on using persuasion. And Mac like cannot stop maniacally laughing at that. And it's very what cute. Persuasion? You're what persuasion? Darling. Fall around? What are you going to do on. <laughs> My guy. You, you've never been subtle a day in your life, Ian. And like, you know, I can understand that as a person who's also never been subtle a day in her life. Okay. So now Beth is like writing a letter or something equally England timesy alone in her room. And then she hears the beautiful chords of Chopin coming from downstairs. So she follows the music because boy, does Beth love a music. And who is at Isabella's polished piano, but Ian McKenzie. And she's like, Oh, wow. That was beautiful. Wow. Hello. And she's like, I bet your teachers were really impressed with, you know, how you learned that. Cause he says he learned it. Um, he heard it once and then played it. And he goes, actually, I did get beat up by my dad. Uh, he said that I was lying or I was unnatural and either way he was going to teach me never to do it again. And she's like, oh my God, this went to a place very early. Oh yeah. What's happening right now? But she feels an, an extraordinary um, amount of empathy for him at the same time. Like this doesn't, this isn't a red flag for her. This is just like comfort. You know, this is just like being comfortable talking with somebody about super serious shit. Yeah. And it- significant levels of abuse that he's talking about yeah yeah she's picturing him as a boy and how confused he must have been and trying to reconcile that with the adult who is in front of her who has what she thinks she thinks of as a truly miraculous talent to hear a piece of music and then play it perfectly right yeah yeah Yeah. so he plays something else and she gets a little misty-eyed because it reminds her of her good times with thomas her, her husband, her husband yeah. who died. And he looks up and he goes, oh, no, you don't like it. And she says, no, 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 I love it. It's beautiful. But I do wonder if you could play something happier. And he and says, then, I don't know whether something is happy or sad. I just know the notes. Yeah. Like, I don't have any emotional connection to any of this. Right. Like, I don't understand how that's possible. Yeah. And so but but I love her because she's not like, wow, we should put you on a Petri dish and figure out what's going on. She's just like, right. oh, OK, I'll find you a happier song. Hold on. Yeah. Let me, OK, hang on. BRB. And there's there's actually a phenomenon that's discussed right now about how some people react to music where it gives them goosebumps. It makes your scalp tingle. Yeah. You have a physical response to music and some people just do not. And it's not a question of whether you are on or off an autistic spectrum. It's no. Some people just don't react with their nervous systems mm-hmm. to the sound of the music. And she clearly does. And he clearly does not. Mm-hmm. But she treats his differences matter of factly. Yeah. Which I think for him is very surprising. Refreshing. Yeah. Like, okay, well, let's try this. So she picks Gilbert and Sullivan? Wow. She picks a modern major general. As you do. And she knows all the words. It's like, this is the equivalent of being like in the 90s and trying to impress a boy by knowing Mm. all the words. It's the end of the world as we know it by R.E.M. Mm. It's like that kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting choices are being made. 
it's incredible. Um, yeah. And so she puts the music in front of him and he's like, oh, I can't read music. I just have to hear it. So yeah. if you play it for me, I can play it for you. Yeah. And so that forces her to sit down next to him on the piano bench and her arm keeps on touching on his hard torso and he's watching her sing and the way her lips move and mm -hmm. he just loves it. He loves everything about it. And then he plays for her and he really, really wants to, in the middle of it, just lean over and kiss her, but he can't because he has to play a song all the way through. Yep. But then the moment he ends it, she's like, oh, Ian, that was, and he just pounces and he kisses her face off, Sarah. Yep. These were not the kisses of a man flirting. These were the kisses of a man who wanted to lie with her. Damn the timing, damn the circumstances. This is a guy who is not interested in small talk or no. social niceties or any kind of performance conversation. He's like, no, bone town. Yeah, he's making his intentions very clear. And I loved it. Uh, and it's a good it's a good contrast for Beth to Mather, who was deceiving her. Ian's yeah. like, I'm totally into you and I would really like to go to bone town with you. And mm -hmm. I would be very happy to marry you to make that happen because I mm -hmm. might go there more than once. It's going to be a frequent trip. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very, very different. And she has dealt with so much deceit in her right. life and and just injustice that she's like, wow, somebody being very honest with me and telling me I'm desirable and kissing my face off. Okay. Mm -hmm. hmm, yeah. Sure. Interesting. It's fantastic. So they make out for wow. many, many pages. Wow. Many pages. He pulls her onto his lap. Oh, um, yeah. She she goes and and like touches on his dick a little bit and he's oh, like yeah. oh no she reaches down and he's like do you want to touch it and she's like yes yeah. i do in fact want to touch it and she keeps on saying things like we should stop and he's like why but like and, why this yeah. is great like, why would you stop what's what's going on why would you do that and she says um she says well i can just hear mrs whoever the fuck being like you know ladies don't do that or she was always correcting me and he said well that's weird why would she want to change you and he says, you're perfect the way you are. And then she's like, wow, I think you might be like the most flattering person in the whole wide world that I've ever met. And he says, um, I state truths. You're perfect as you are. I want to see you bear and I wish to kiss your cunny. Ian, goodness gracious. This is an wow. audio question, but my reaction to that was blink, blink. Uh-huh. Oh. No, absolutely. Okay. Like, wow. Okay. So, yeah, and then Isabella walks in, God damn it. And, <laughs> she's and us. Bless her heart. She leaves again. Yeah, she's just like, oh, sorry to interrupt. Bye. Yeah, beg your pardon. And leaves. And so then Ian's like, I want to see you again. And she's like, yep, mm -hmm. you can do that. And then he kisses her and he leaves. And it's the most abrupt happening that's ever happened to her. And it's fantastic. She's very, very sad and very cold. Yeah. Meanwhile, um, Isabella is like, oh, you and Ian, that's so lovely. I'm so glad. Mm -hmm. And she's going out and uh, Beth is staying in because she doesn't want to go out and do things with people. Mm -hmm. And she just wanted to write in her journal and fantasize about Ian McKenzie, which means she wants to rub one out. She is she's going to write dirty things about Ian McKenzie in she's, her journal. She's going to write write erotic friend fiction about Ian. That, that is a very important, you know, part of England times that I don't think is highlighted enough. 
the erotic writing about people. Oh yeah. Yes. There's a lot of erotic fiction going on here. She's yeah. going to write fanfic about Ian. Mm-hmm. And uh, knock, knock, knock. Yeah. Uh-oh. Detective hate boner is here. How is this good? Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's romance a lot reasons. of romance reasons. There's a lot of romance reasons jumping ahead of plot in this book, which I was like, mm-hmm. oh, all right, I'll just go along with it. Yeah, no. we got a lot of plot to cover. So, okay. Yeah, he I'm shows along up. for the ride. Yeah, right. He shows up and is like, hey, I'm from Scotland Yard and I want to know how long you've known Lord Ian. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what? Why? It's none of your this? business. Why? Is exactly. This is not your business. And um, he said, yeah, well, I know that you spoke to him here. And she's like, why are you watching me? What is wrong with you? You yeah, parent? Jesus. And so this guy, inspector, detective inspector, hate boner is like, no, I've come to warn you about Ian. You need to be warned about him. And he's just being ominous. Like you are mixing in the wrong company. It could be your downfall. You mark. Yeah. And she's like, oh my God, just talk you weirdo. What is your yeah. damn problem? And I want to go to bed and you're annoying. Mm-hmm. And he tells her about the murder. And says that, well, Ian was seen there. Ian was seen there. And um, also, apparently, he also knows about her family that Beth's father allegedly said he was a French Viscount and he was not. And apparently, this is whatever Curry sources, apparently, Hate Boner has them too. Cause he's like, yeah, yeah, your dad's not who he says he was. So I can ruin you. You have to do what I say. And you have to be suspicious. That's the crazy thing because he starts by being like, I know you want to be a friend to justice, don't you? Like you want to be on the right side of the of the whole thing. So I need you to be a spy. And she's like, no, hard passing on that one. I'm absolutely yeah. not going to be a spy for you. That's bonkers. Shit, bro. What's wrong with you? Yeah. And so then he's like, well, then I'll try to threaten you with the fact that your dad was not in fact a Viscount. And she's like, I don't give a shit. I am independently wealthy and they are stuffy. I don't care. I'm not going to betray people that have been very kind to me. That's ridiculous. And I don't know you. You just showed up here to be weird. So yeah. fuck off. Right? Yeah. So the however, oh. um, uh, boy, does Lord Ian come to the door and oh. <laughs> he goes from zero to I will strangle you. He actually accosts this detective inspector hate boner and he's like you stay away from her you don't get near her like i told you to stay away from us and like all this stuff so clearly there is a capital h history here and finally she's just like i need you to leave and you have to go and he's like all right well think about what i said and that is the first time you see or that beth sees and that the characters see that ian does have great reservoirs of anger yes when he gets mad he's real mad but i also think that when he gets horny he's really horny so this is all this all of his emotions tend to go from zero to ten right right absolutely so then ian's like well yeah he ruined everything now i wanted to like not only did i want to keep her away from all of this bad business so that it it doesn't like hurt her or soil her he says but now she's seen me get pretty mad and like that's not attractive i know that for a fact because people have told me before (laughs) and she's like ian hello i feel like you think that detective hate boner has put me off you and he in fact absolutely has not so if you want to like continue being friends and ian's like friends nobody's ever assigned that word to me 
at all. He's like, I have my brothers and I love them, but like friends is a different thing. That's not a thing I have really. Yeah. Yeah. I have brothers and I have staff. Right. And she's like, no, I've gotten to know you. I've gotten to know Isabella and, and I don't abandon people in their times of need or any other time. Mm -hmm. And then she does say, Ian, I was wondering if maybe, uh, you might, I've been asking, I've been meaning to ask you this. She says, I was wondering if you might want to have a liaison. And he's like, a liaison. She's like, yeah, you know, have, have carnal relationships on occasion when we mutually agree. And he's just like, wait, you mean bed, right? You mean bed? And she's like, yes, I do mean bed. And he's like, yes, I don't need any other persuading. Like I'm, I'm down. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so glad that you didn't like run away in disgust. And yeah. he's thinking to himself, what is she talking about? She's gorgeous and she's interesting and she's got the prettiest eyes I've ever seen. And she's great. Who would do that? And then he says, it starts now. Oh my goodness. And she's like, oh, okay. Like did not expect that, but uh, sh- sure. What do you want to do? And he just tells her to unbutton her bodice until like right below her collarbone. Yep. And she says, that's it. And he's like, yep, for now. He says, for now. <gasps> oh my God, the tension. And then oh, yeah. he does start kissing up on her neck. Yep. And she's like, whoa, what are you doing? And he goes, I, does he say I'm going to practice giving love bites here? Or like, I'm giving says, you a love what bite? Are you doing? And he says, I'm giving you a love bite. And she's like what and then he just gives her a big old hickey he gives her a hickey to end all hickeys like ouch dude did i tell you my infant brother gave me a hickey once (laughs) oh no (laughs) yeah oh no that's not good Mm -hmm. i was holding him um illegally in the car uh i was holding him it's fine we were napping and when i woke up he had like tried to latch on to the inside of my arm somehow and he had given me this tiny nursing baby hickey that was ridiculous oh it was very cute but also very cute ridiculous this is not what ian does ian just gives me a big 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 old hickey and like uses his teeth too and he loves it and then he says your turn you can practice giving love bites on me yep and he's so turned on by this but he that he nearly quotes spills his seed haven't read that in a while <gasps> i know i know yep. yep she says later on that she does take his seed into her mouth yeah and then she says that out loud to him because she's quote unquote practicing body talk yes it's so cute they're uh, so horny. Horn horn dogs. These, these people are so horny and there's a murder to solve. I mean, we have some issues at play in this mm-hmm. book. Not mm-hmm. to not to mention his past and trauma, but they're horn dogs throughout it. Yeah. They're just super, super into each other's pants. And this like love bite scene goes on for pages. Like yeah. they are just going to horny town. Yeah. And it's all like most of it is just in their mind. Like all they're all they're doing is, you know, giving we'll each other each hickeys on neck. their necks. Yeah. yeah. And then that's and it. like, don't get me wrong. That can, you know, give you yeah. some tingles in places that are very serious. But 
Yeah, the way that she just like wrings every detail out of every single physical scene, even if it's really minute, is just mm -hmm. incredible, honestly. It's really something, isn't it? Yeah. So then it's like a week and she yep. doesn't see him at all. And then she's at a ball and she's like, I might see in there. I don't know. And then she gets past a note, probably on one of those silver trays. As you and do. yeah, as, as happens in these times. And it says, need to see you urgently. Top of the house, first door, Ian. And she's like, oh my God, something has gone down. So she races upstairs and opens the door and comes in and he's just like looking at his pocket watch or something. And he says, close the door. We don't have a lot of time. She's like, okay. She closes the door and she's like, what's going on, Ian? What's going on? And he just kisses her up real good. And she's like, wait, I'm sorry. Did you bring me all the way up here to kiss me? And he's like, yeah, to keep yeah. our thing going. We're doing that thing where we have carnal relations on agreed upon time. Yeah, you said we were having a liaison. And I know yeah. that there's approximately 27 and a half minutes before someone will notice that you're no longer downstairs. So that's yeah. how long I have to do things that I wish to do. Come on yeah. up shut the door and she's so cute because she goes well there's not a bed here he's very task oriented is ian i love it he's i love very it focused on on her pleasure and going to bone town yeah mm -hmm. so when she says there's not a bed here he laughs softly for the mm -hmm. first time she's ever heard it and then he says you haven't had a lot of liaisons before have you and she's like yeah. nope this is in fact my first one first one first <sighs> one and so he pulls up her skirts, listener, yeah. and he does a cunnilingus on her to end all cunnilinguses. Yep. Cunnilingi. Cunnilingusing. And also, uh, he says, he pulls up her skirt and he's like, of course, and he's like, oh, dreaded under things. <laughs> like, there's just too much business down here between, and, and like, he's right. know, the layer of clothing and the disrobing and all of the layers she has underneath is part of like the the building of the tension. He is just like, there are too many clothes. Mm -hmm. I wish to lick the porcelain. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. He's got to lick that vase. That's right. <sighs> so, boy, she starts, starts crying in the middle of her orgasm. And yeah. he's like, Oh, wait, did I hurt you? And she's like, no, I just never thought I would feel that again. I just never thought I thought maybe I would never orgasm again is what I thought. And Girl. like, yeah, what? damn. Later on the, in the next in the next sexy scene, he's like, oh, my God, I don't think she's ever masturbated. Yeah. Remember? Like, yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. And but she writes her erotic fiction. She writes erotic fanfic, but she doesn't fulfill herself. No, my 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 word. Golly gracious. Oh my <laughs> yeah. Hmm. All right. So then he says, well, would you like to experience that again? She's like, yes. And so yeah, he does sure. go down on her again. Yep. She she clearly God. has a very high shot limit. If she doesn't have a shot limit at all, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. There's no like, wait, time out, too sensitive. He's, she's like, nope, nope. Head right down into the nope, valley. Thank you very much. Yeah. Where it's back to back over here is what we're doing. Yep. So then she's like randomly walking through Hyde Park or somewhere else that's equally outdoorsy and England times and upper class. And well, they're in Paris. It's two years. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Tuileries, I think is how it is, but I could be that's wrong. What, yeah, Correct my French. Like. Please feel free. <laughs> and the inspector comes up to her and he's like, would you like to become 
Mrs. Detective Inspector Hate Boner. What the hell is wrong with these people? <laughs> I swear to God. Like, really? Proposing marriage is the only solution you've got? Like, did everyone just get, like, three improv cards and it's either lick vagina, propose uh-huh. marriage, get mad like what is the <laughs> directive in this book my god anyway it's so good and she's like what are you talking about and he's yeah. like i can protect you if you're mrs detective inspector hate boner and she's like no that's not gonna happen come on now and he starts alluding to the rest of the Mackenzie wives and how it always ends in misery or tragedy and then he starts telling her big secrets about how Hart's wife died in childbirth and Cam's wife, I think, had uh, some postpartum psychosis where she did some attacks uh, and then she did kill herself. Yeah. Woof. And then Isabella is like, you know. She left. She left. Yeah, she was she was a promising debutante and then she's been ruined by Mac. So you know how there are obsessive hate communities online like there I are heard communi- of them yeah mm-hmm. so there's like communities devoted to hating Meghan markle there are communities devoted to hating people amber heard has a hate community and it's like what? okay listen you're fans if you're going to obsessively know about somebody you're a fan you can you're think a fan. You hate them but you are a fan Hate Boner is totally a rabid stan of the McKenzie family. Oh, my he God. He's just such a hardcore boner-having uh-huh. fan. Like, he yeah. is high-grade obsessed with these people, and it is so mm. weird. Yeah. It's deeply weird. And they think so, too, because they have no idea where this guy came from or What's what... your freaking problem, bro? Yeah, and, and, and his solution is, well, I need to protect you from them so you should marry me. Like, ew. No. What? Jesus. At least tell them what made your hate boner so engorged, you know? Yeah. God. God, dial it back, bro. Call, t- you need to calm down. Well, he makes the mistake of grabbing her elbow uh, while he's oh. trying to entice her into marrying him. And uh, wow, Ian apparently is randomly driving by in a carriage. He sees this happen. He alights from the carriage, just jumps the fuck out, and is running full speed at Detective Hate Boner being like, I am going to take you down. Leave her alone or I'll kill you. And wow, Hate Boner decides that the best possible response is, I'm trying to save her from you, you filth. You filth. Okay, Love boys, that. boys, children, mm-hmm. children, mm-hmm. stop. This you is, gotta, this you is gotta take a chill pill. You, y'all, y'all. It's gone and too far. Ian, Ian has lost control of yes. his ability to restrain himself and Mac is running after them and Curry Google TaskRabbit is running after them and they're trying to restrain him and all of this is happening in front of Beth and yeah. they're just screaming at each other and, and and his face is purple his face is purple and Fellows is like I'll have you I'll have you swinging from the hangman before you know where you are I'll destroy you I'll put my heel in your brother's face when he begs me for mercy like yeah Bro, you're a fan. Fellows is not helping the situation no. at all. And Max, like, fuck off. Like, just go. You're like, we're trying to calm him down for you. And, and you're inflaming the whole thing. And he's just like, no, I love it. I love everything about it. And then finally, Beth's like, no, seriously, though, fuck off. We got to go. 
And so finally, Mac and Curry get his attention. Mac, it's so sweet. Mac, maybe it's Cam. No, it's Mac. He it's grabs Mac. him by the face and he's like, look, look at me, look me in the eyes, look me in the eyes. And Ian's trying not to. And he's like, his breaths are just heaving. And then he finally makes eye contact. And it's, it's like all of the tension in his body just drains out. Yeah. And he says, okay, we're okay. You're going to go back to yeah. the carriage. I think he kisses him on the forehead. Yeah. It's so sweet. And yeah. he's like, go back to the carriage. And without a backward glance, Ian just walks back to the carriage. He just goes. And then Mac's like, you've got to go home. Don't be outside anymore today, please. Yeah. And Thank Ian you. says, I've lost her, <gasps> haven't I? And Mac so, says, you never had her, Ian. Oh, but the reason that I found that so powerful, other than the fact that it's incredibly powerful on its own, mm -hmm. is that from her perspective, walking away, she's like, okay, he just did this thing. He just went into this really, really intense rage over me, trying to protect me. But now it's like he's forgotten I exist. Yeah. Like he doesn't look back. I keep on thinking he'll look back and not at all. And so she's like, I, I think he doesn't care about me at all. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, his response is, I've lost her, haven't I? Mm -hmm. She's not oh. going to want to be with me having seen me lose my cool like that. Yeah. But he's wrong, everyone. He's super he's, wrong. He's super so wrong. <laughs> Beth goes to Mac for those drawing drawing lessons that he'd promised her. And there's, you know, additional sequel bait. This is where yes. you get the uh, the G slur. Mm -hmm. because, uh, Mac is described as having a red kerchief tied over his head. Again, mm -hmm. all, mm -hmm. uh, racism clacks on. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a there's a a model posing there who is absolutely a poop spoon. She is just trying to stir shit. She's she is. trying to cause trouble. And um, she's like afraid of his staff and she's an asshole and she's demanding and she's really just trying to, you know, cause problems. Yeah, she's just trying to get attention. Yeah, she's trying to get attention. So Beth is there for lessons. No, yeah. she's not. No. She That's says right. his studio is like different than I thought. And then she, he's over by the window, Ian is. And then she looks over and she's like, your hotel said you came here. So I came here. Yeah. And everybody, and, and Mac is the best because he's just like, everybody out, come on, we're going, we're going downstairs. We're out, yeah, goodbye. We, uh, please excuse us. We all need to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Forgive me. Ian, or, excuse, I thought initially that she was going there for lessons, but no, she's just following Ian. Yeah. She's Thank just you. trying to make it right with Ian because... He is looking out the window stoically and he won't, he won't even look, look at her. her. And she brings so, him a present. She brings him a present and an apology. Yeah. She says, I should have just told the detective inspector hate boner to fuck off immediately, but I was curious and I wanted to know secrets about your family. And so I, I kept him around too long. And then you freaked out because he was touching me. And so it's my fault. And I'm really, really sorry. I'm desperately sorry that I was getting into business that's not mine. And then she's like, I brought you a present. It's a lapel pin and it is engraved on the inside. To Ian in friendship. B. B. And Ian cannot handle it just as much as I cannot handle it. Nope. No. Mm -mm. He's astounded. Mm-hmm. Does not understand the turn of events at nope, all. Does not understand what's happening here. He's like, I was a monster in front of you. 
but you're apologizing to me. Yeah. I, I don't understand, but I'll take it. <laughs> and he, he, he says to her, but you saw, Oh, you saw me like that. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. But she I also did. knew she wasn't afraid that Ian would hurt her. She, mm -hmm. she knew that he would not hurt her, that he did actually want to hurt Detective Inspector Hate Boner because Detective Inspector Hate Boner kind of had it coming. Kind of was Listen. gross. Yeah. He, I mean, he is so obsessive. What other message is going to get through to him other than having his right. face pounded for a little bit? Right. So, yeah, she says, I wasn't afraid he'd hurt me. I was afraid that he'd hurt himself or get arrested. Mm -hmm. Like, that's... <laughs> That's all. And she knows that because her dad used to get into drunk rages where he would use his fists in ways that were not safe for her. Yeah. And she knows the difference. Seen. She can. Yes, exactly. She can tell the difference between undirected rage and specified rage. And mm -hmm. she knows that he was not going to hurt her. Mm -hmm. And Ian then tells her, I don't want you to lie for me. Everyone lies for me. And I am a very truthful person. And he says, I, I will always tell the truth. Yeah. And he says, I, I don't want you to protect me. I think they always lie to protect yeah. me. I don't want you to do that. And then he says, you've loved your husband. And oh. she says, yes, very much. I loved him very much. And he says, what would it, what was it like? Explain to me what loving feels like. I want to understand. Yeah. Oh. And so she says, it's the most divine feeling in the world. And it he really says, is. he said, don't speak to me about divinity. I want to know what it feels like. Is it like desire? Is it yeah. like, tell me something tangible. And she's like, yeah. well, that's part of it. It's kind of part of it, but yeah, there's other parts too. <sighs> yeah. And it's nice because she's trying to articulate feelings that she still has for her husband. And there's a moment later where I was just like, oh, with the mm -hmm. husband. Mm -hmm. And she tries to articulate to him what it feels like to feel love and desire and how much she admired and wanted her husband. Mm -hmm. And she's also trying to understand why he says he can't love her. Right. And she comes to the realization that he, Ian, is going to break her heart. Oh, yeah. Because she realizes in that moment that she's pretty in love with him. Yeah. And or then, at least very down the road to the point yeah. where there is no U-turn. <laughs> And she just got out of an engagement that was uh, that was unequal in power and yeah. honesty. And now she's looking at another entanglement that is unequal in desire and devotion because she's right. like, he can't, he doesn't understand any of this. He can't love me. Yeah. But I will love him. Well, crap. And, and then he says, do you want to maybe strip naked? Yeah. You want to, you want to get naked? You want to get naked and I don't know, ride my thigh? <laughs> yeah. You know, wanna, you know, we're alone here. My brother took care of getting everyone out of here. Yeah. And I love her. I love Beth because it's not like, oh, it's improper. It's like, no, somebody could walk in. And he's like, no, they definitely won't. No, my brother would never allow that to happen. No. Come on, let's, let's have some sexy times. Yeah. They have some ye olde sexy times. And wow. again, peels her clothing off and his arousal throbs and there's lacy mm -hmm. tantalets, silk garments and pages and pages of description when these two yes. get horny times the horny times are on the page so if yeah. you've been reading a lot of contemporary romance and you're like where did all the sex go it's all in this book it's here that's where it is they dropped it in here <laughs> yes it's here yeah they lost track of it it did end up in this book yeah it, <laughs> it, it, it's a time travel thing don't try don't think too hard just yeah, no. all the sexy is in here mm-hmm there's, there's to the point, 
the, the next yeah the next time uh it goes straight into her just writing a journal about the next four times they have a liaison including but not limited to her very first bj and it's in a carriage bj wow. in the carriage if you had that on your historical romance bingo card and you check. should you yeah should check I always liked historical romances where the characters had sex in weird places. Same. Like horseback, in a pond, in the field, in a tree, whatever. But this is the first time I've ever had a sex montage in a journal entry. Right? I have not encountered this device before. Listen, I loved it. Dear diary, today I went to Bone Town for the yeah. first time and I gave a beach in a carriage and it was nice. <laughs> pages and pages of sex montage in her mm -hmm. journal mm -hmm. i mean a plus serious a plus it was great I, work i mean it's very lovely and she just writes all the details oh yeah she writes like a romance author there's round firmness of his balls y'all uh-huh yeah. yeah she yeah. talks about like the the silky skin over his staff mm -hmm. oh yeah and seed and, there's some seed fine oh, cream seed oh yeah goes in her mouth yeah. and she likes the taste which is yeah. ridiculous yeah. that's a ridiculous and, assertion yeah. oh yeah she's just like wow and uh that's like oh a solid several pages of sexy times montage in the journal it's incredible oh well done like what a shortcut and what a delight yeah. Well, so now we know that they have experienced carnal liaison several times and it's going quite well. But and they haven't they haven't done penetration. They haven't done P and V oh, penetration. There is no P and V. There's and, lots of other things. And it's cute because she's like, I do wonder when we'll do that. Yeah. That's exciting. Sustained sexual tension between two people who are seriously horny for each other. And super open to go into Bone Town, both of them on any available surface it's amazing yeah it's kind of amazing yeah. yeah so then we get like a cut scene of heart the duke being very ominously ominous and finding out via a pamphlet maybe that that ian's gossip. dating a lady yeah there's and a gossip uh, gossip rag in the newspaper and he founds that finds out that ian is allegedly having a liaison with mrs a and he's like what 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 yeah. And his valid is like, well, you know, he's very rich and she might be an heiress, but maybe she wants more money. Mm -hmm. And then he vows to separate them. Bum, bum, oh. bum. Okay. So now we have family hate boner to go mm -hmm. along with detective inspector hate boner. And it's like, my goodness, everyone I mean, just calm down. Honestly, I thought that was, you know, I thought that was actually pretty balanced as far as like a writing device is concerned because Ian was getting all the hate up until now yep. and everybody else was like, she's a miracle. And then one of her, then, you know, the oldest brother's like, no, she has ulterior motives and she's terrible. Yep. Okay. So now they do go to a gambling hall. Oh yeah. There are a lot of snap judgments in this book. Oh yes. There's a lot of superficial judgments that are undone in this book, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. yeah, heart is heart is set up from the very start as a tiresome, grumpy old brute of temper. So like, yeah, bro, whatever. But yes, yeah. gambling hall. <gasps> they go to a gambling hall and, and a den of iniquity. Ooh, and she so Isabella and um, Beth. it's the three of them, Beth <laughs> and then Ian go together, and. Ian like shows her how to play roulette. He's like, no, put it over here because the odds are best over here. And she wins mm -hmm. some money. 
And she's like so excited. And he thinks that, you know, just her mirth and excitement are so attractive, even if he can't really like access the feeling. And then he runs into an old pal from the asylum Mm -hmm. um, because he was sent there because he's gay. And his dad was trying to correct it when there's nothing wrong. I hate it. I hate it a lot. But also this person um, who he meets is, so his name is Arden, which is a name I have a very giant soft spot for. And Arden has a, uh, a man with him whose name is Graves. And Graves doesn't want anyone near Arden, doesn't Mm-mm. talk to anybody. Everyone is suspicious. He is not here for this social bullshit conversation. So yet again, you have this ferocious person mm-hmm. protecting a very vulnerable person. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so basically he's like, you know, you saved my life. I adore you. Anything you ever need ever, like just look me up we're living in the countryside or whatever. Yeah. And she gets him to tell her how he saved his life. And it's basically that he took a bunch of really, really awful punishments as like treatment in the Mm -hmm. asylum for For his gayness. Yeah. 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 Because he knew that Arden wasn't strong enough to to sustain the the, the torture. It was, there's ice water, there's electricity. It's very, very bad. And Ian knew that Arden wouldn't be physically strong enough because he was frail and the treatments might have killed him. And so he told the asylum staff that the thing that they had caught Arden with was actually his. And Mm -hmm. um, he took the punishments for him. And Arden says, no, you saved my life. I will do anything to help you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then and then it's cool because she looks over and this sort of like mismatched pair almost. Mm -hmm. She's like, I've never seen two men in love. And it's like beautiful. Wow. She's like, oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. This this big, giant, burly one who's very mad. And then this really, really sweet one who's tiny. <laughs> so. Yep. And okay, then a, and th- a thousand KJ Charles books were born. Ah, indeed. So then all hell breaks loose because mm-hmm. there is a raid. Guess who shows up? Fucking fellows, man. Fucking Detective fellows. Detective Inspector hate, hate Boner is not there on official business. No! This is a personal trip. The Scotland Yard has told him to leave them the fuck alone. Mm-hmm. He is going after them on his own. So clearly he has some resources where he has nothing to do but follow Ian around and screw up his day. So he leads a raid on the den of iniquity and they mm-hmm. all go running out. And then this was wild. I did not expect this to end up where it does. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Bellows chases them and Ian grabs Beth and runs and Beth's like, wait, 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 wait. What about Isabella? And he's like, no, 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 Mac will take care of her. Yeah, Mac's here. They talk to each other. They don't speak to each other. They don't even go to the same places. He's going to make sure she's okay. So let's go. So she's running around. She's in a red taffeta dress. Now it's raining. So the dress Mm -hmm. is ruined. And they go hauling ass to some, like, it's not quite a hotel. It's a pension. It's like a, you can rent a room. Yeah. And so they run in to this place and they throw down a pile of gold coins. Yeah, they're like, give us a room. And they're like, okay. So no they worries. go up to the room. And well, they it's time for danger sexy times. It is. Um, yeah. First, first, it's time for uh stop being so cold bath. Yes, they have to warm up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they've been running through the rain from the police. It is obviously time 
to go to Bone Town. So they have hot bath, sexy times, and then they have the penetration scene. They do. He, was, a... he was too big. It He's says so big. It says all. in the book he was too big. It's been nine years since a man had entered her and she was too tight and she couldn't mm-hmm. take it. And so I you have I, to be careful. I have to say mm-hmm. that as a sign of substitute virginity, because you know mm-hmm. historical romances are big on the virginity, I could see what that was, mm-hmm. but I still appreciated it. <laughs> virginity. Okay. Yep. Check. Business. Mm-hmm. It also, yeah, between that and this is my first liaison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pseudo virginity. Yeah. Also, the friction burned on her petals. Too long Ooh. untouched. Fire that made her open, want her open her legs wide. Mm-hmm. Okay. Petals. 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 Yeah. I don't know that I've ever encountered that before. I have not encountered unfurled petals that are burning. No. I kind of um, like it. All yeah. right. It's yeah. imaginative. <laughs> so, you know, deeper, faster, good, wicked petals. Petals. Yeah. And he, so like, it's good sex. All right. Oh, yeah. Good sex happens. Oh, pages and pages of yes. sex. Pages of sex. But this is when and, Ian finally like realizes he said he wants to marry her before, yeah. but yeah. now he's like, I want this. I want her smiles. I want her jokes that I don't understand. I want everything now. It's yeah. not just, I want marriage to protect her or marriage to bed her. I want it all. Yeah. And the sweet bear doesn't know that that's love. Yeah. Darling, you did it. (laughs) It happened. But she has no idea. So, like, they go to sleep. They wake up. They bone some more, probably. They go to sleep. He catches her up on what the drama is between Isabella and Mac because there's some drama there and she's not fully informed. But, you know, you got to, you got to, you got to drop the seeds of sequel bait so that they will flower in the next book. So that I can be Hansel and Gretel and my tummy can get very full as I sequel (laughs) my face (laughs) off. The whole series. (laughs) The whole series. You got many books. Enjoy. Mm hmm. So then, turn it out. Talkie talkie. Yeah, and he has somehow gotten he like used his ESP yeah. to get Curry to go get them stuff, um, yeah. including but not limited to his brother and a vicar, as you do a priest. Sorry, because a priest. Fellows is outside of the house with the police waiting for them to leave. How did he know where they ran? I don't know. How does he know where they are? No idea. How does Ian tell? Curry, Google Task Rabbit to get his brother and a vicar. We have no idea. No idea. It's all romance okay. reasons, and okay. I rolled with it so hard. Yeah, Ooh, what was the right, smoothest ride? Yep. <laughs> um, yep. One thing, though, I didn't realize. I didn't know that it was illegal to have unmarried sex in Paris times. What is that? That can't be real, right? Is it like how sodomy is technically illegal in a lot of the states in the United States, but we don't enforce it. Listen, I don't know, but that's what fellows is there to arrest them for is that they're not married and they are bone and hard. Yep. So listener, there's only one solution. You see? Yeah. There's only one option to get them out of this pickle. Yeah. It's not go out the back door. Certainly not. No. Go up to the roof and no. jump across a couple buildings, go down no. another stair and run. At one. No. No. He's like, I don't want Catwoman. I want Beth. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we are going to get married and yeah. then walk out the front door with our heads held high. Fuck yep. you, fellows. Yep. And she's like, Ian, this is what? 
I've, I told you I don't want to get married. And he's like, yeah, but like now it's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. He can't arrest you if he's if 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 we spent the night here and we're married, he yeah. can't arrest you and he can't arrest me. Uh, and we're stuck in this in this building until we get married, because otherwise we're going to go to jail for having sex. And I love Beth so much because it's just like every single time they've gone to a a, a further part of sexy town. Because she's like, no, we should stop. No, I, I can't get married. All right, let's get married. <laughs> uh, I guess you're right. Whatever mm -hmm. you say. Mm -hmm. okay. And it's not even that, like, it, it could be we're getting married right now. And then we're going to say, whoopsie, and have an annulment. Neither mm -hmm. of them. Of course, it doesn't cross his mind because this has been his plan the whole time. Mm -hmm. But for her, yeah. she's like, no, I have a husband now. His name is Ian McKenzie and uh, he's the best. Neener, neener, neener. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's delicious. So they do. They say, catch my farts to Dr. Fellows. Nope. To Detective Inspector Hate Boner. Yep. And they yeah. say, bye. Mm -hmm. now, do you want to stop here and split the episode because they've gotten married? Yeah. If you want to find out the rest of the story, because this is only chapter 13. I know. Yes. The rest of the story, you have to go listen yeah. to Smart Bitches Trashy um, Books. Come over here and check it out. Mm -hmm. All right. So keep being a badass Yeah. and love yourselves as much as you love <laughs> Detective Inspector Hate Boner. <laughs> it's so <Yeah>. good. <laughs> <laughs> Love yourself as much as Hate Boner hates the Mackenzies. Mm -hmm. And also, I would advise that you write erotic fiction whenever you wish. Yes! Keep, do catch it! Catch yourself up on your own sexual escapades by writing them down as they've happened in your journal. Yeah, that's great stuff. Yeah. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes. We are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas! Okay, back to the show.